This podcast is a Radio Mike original production. Head to radiomike.com.au to find out more. Hey guys, Mike here. Little bonus episode kind of thing for you today. I mentioned on the main podcast, uh, but if you're not up to date, I am currently every Wednesday from 2.30pm till 3pm doing a little spot on 3AW, which is uh, a talkback AM radio station here in Melbourne on afternoons with DD. DD Dunleavy uh, is actually kind of responsible for my entire career uh, because when I graduated from uni, she let me intern on her show um, where I learned how to panel radio shows and do a bunch of behind the scenes stuff on radio. Um, so five years later, she needed someone to fill in on this segment and uh, called me up, which was such an honour. And I was really nervous about it, but we're right into it now. I feel like I'm finding my feet. So I just wanted to compile uh, kind of some of the the moments that I've done on the show so far. Uh, basically, the segment is called Showdown and we're talking movies and TV streaming. Uh, and so far, well, in this little package, and I might do like a couple little packages as the weeks go on. Um, in this one, we talk first about uh, Midnight Mass, the Netflix series, as well as the short docuseries on Netflix, uh, Monsters Inside, which is a, a, a really fascinating documentary. So that's the first one. In the second segment from the next week, we talk about the Channel 9 TV show here in Australia, Parental Guidance. Um, and then finally, this week, we talk Curb Your Enthusiasm, the Larry David uh, show, one of my favourite TV shows. I think that was probably the best one I've done so far. So I was really happy with it. Um, but yeah, this has been a really cool experience to actually be on air on a proper radio show um, that, um, you know, interacting with callers and just trying to have to hold your own in, in conversation on radio, which I, I guess I've never really done to this level before. So it's been a really exciting opportunity for me. I'm really grateful to Dee Dee. Uh, she does the afternoon shift on 3AW. So if you're ever driving around, uh, definitely tune into 3AW. She's doing a really good job. And I believe in the most recent radio rating survey, uh, her, her show uh, has gone number one in that time slot, which is also really amazing to see. So I'm super grateful, Dee Dee, and I'm super grateful for you guys for listening to this. I hope you enjoy it. It's a bit of fun. There's a few laughs. I think it's kind of interesting as well. Well, I'd hope it's interesting. Um, but yeah, enjoy this and have fun. See you later. Now on Afternoons. Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. It's time for the showdown. This is the show. For ultimate kitchens and bathrooms, visit their showrooms at Hawthorne or Essendon. For inspiration, ultimatekitchensandbathrooms.com.au. It's 24 minutes to three and Michael Liberale joins me for showdown. Hi, Michael. How are you going? Good afternoon, Dee Dee. I hope you've had a chance to get out into the sun today because it's so good outside. Not yet. I'm like a little slug under a brick. I'll get out into the sunshine when I can. <laughs> Looks a beautiful day. Uh, not a day for watching TV, but you and I have both done our homework, watched a couple of shows. Let's start with Midnight Mass. What did you, what did you think of it? Oh, I feel like I have so much to say about this show. So this is the new show from Mike Flanagan. He has two shows already with Netflix, The Haunting of 
of Bly Manor and The Haunting of Hill House. And both, all three of these shows actually have been critically acclaimed. I, look, I just want to put it out there. I might be like going against the grain here, but am I the only person that thought that this was one of the boringest shows of all time and apologies in advance if people disagree with me. What? I thought you were going to love it because you're a young one. One double three six nine three. I hated it. I hated it. Do you think all young people just love vampires? Yes, I do. Fire, Twilight, and all that, and and Walking Dead. Yes, that's what I think. One double three six nine three. I hated Midnight Mass. So, how much did you last? Because I only got through the first episode. Okay, I watched the whole thing begrudgingly to get to the end because I actually assumed you would watch the whole thing as well, but here we are. <laughs> oh, no. um, I, I, look, there are some good bits about this. Like, I think, like, the critique of religion and, um, you know, allegories to real-life events like mm. Jonestown and et cetera are really good, but the pacing is so off in this. Like, there's so many, like, 15-minute monologues and just... I don't know, moments where you just want to speed up and something to actually happen, but it just goes at a snail's pace. And there's too many horror cliches in it for me, and I don't watch a lot of the – because I think it's sort of a mixture – well, it's horror, isn't it? It's like Supernatural horror, I suppose, yeah. The – I think right from the very beginning, so this is not spoiling anything for people who do it, but it starts with a car accident and there's a guy who was drink driving and he's sitting on the side of the road, mysteriously unattended by anyone, and the a young woman has died on the road. So first of all, they all just walk away and leave her laying there and he's sitting there staring at her like as if that would actually happen. And then the paramedic who comes over to, to dab at his cut on his forehead gives him a little bit of lip. He's a bit lippy, the ambulance guy. He's says uh, something like... Um, Why do they always let the young ones yes. die and the uh, the arrogant young guy live? I what? think it's something like that. Would a, would a paramedic say that to you? I don't think so. Cliche. I don't think so, especially in that moment. But so did you get to the part where the angel is revealed? No. Did you get to that? Okay, because those what? those visual effects I actually thought were really cool for anyone who has gotten to that point in the show. Mm. It does kind of pick up towards the end, but still you are slogging through 15 to 20-minute monologues, which I understand in the context of having one of the characters being a priest and he's delivering sermons to um, a church full of people, but I don't know, it felt so slow and pacey to me and just not as good as everyone is saying it is. Yeah, I'm absolutely in agreements with you. Agreements? Agreements with you. One double three six nine three. have you seen Midnight Mass? Were you a fan? Or did you perhaps not like it as Michael and I seem to agree on? Jules joins us. Hi, Jules. Oh, hey, JJ and Michael. I totally agree with both of you. Yes, thank you, Jules. Know, I don't even know why I started watching it, but it got me in a couple of episodes and the young guy that goes back, you know, the drink driver, he gets out of jail, he goes back home. And I don't know if I'm doing a spoiler alert, but once he's out of the show, it's like, oh, this is stupid. Oh, I don't think it matters if we spoil it because we're not exactly recommending it at this point, Jules. We're just completely no, wrecking it. I don't think anybody's going to worry about spoiler alerts on this one. But, no, very disappointing. I, I think I got up to about seven episodes and I thought, what? Why am I watching this? Yeah. Do you say out loud, and usually I'm forcing my husband to watch shows like this with me, 
if something doesn't happen soon, we're turning this off because it just nothing was happening. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, we should just explain what the story is. A guy has a drink driving accident. He kills a young woman. He goes to jail for a bit. And then when he comes out of jail, I'm assuming, Michael, it's because he's got nowhere else to go. He goes back to this island where he grew up. Um, I believe so too. And and essentially a priest comes over to the island and starts performing various miracles. But uh, uh, there is some sinister side to these miracles that starts to come out as the show goes on. If Jules is still there, Jules, did you see uh, it taking a vampire turn halfway through the series? Did you expect that? Because that took me by surprise. Oh, no, that's almost like... um... What was that show with George Clooney? It was a um, um, Dust to Dawn. It started off normal and then it went weird. It's, it's kind of yeah. like that. You know what I mean? You're not expecting it. It's like, no, once the angel came and, and all that, I went, no, this is stupid. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jules, we've got a prize for you. You can have a pillow thanks to Spinalese. Neck pain, headache, snoring, or just need a great night's sleep, get yourself a Spinalese pillow at spinalese.com.au. Angela has joined us. Hi, Angela. Hi. I just wanted to say I, I had to watch the whole bloody thing <laughs> until the end. And then at the end of it, I said, what a waste of my, my time. I couldn't, I could not stop it. And I made my partner watch it and he cursed me. Oh, no. Oh, I know that situation, Angela. I do it to my husband all the time. He hates it. Yes, he know, makes excuses. I yeah, I had no idea. I, I just didn't think it was going the way it was going. It, it just, it shocked me, actually. Yeah. When it, when it got yeah, weird. I, I tell you what, thank you, Angela, for your review. Um, Michael, it tells you you can't trust that Rotten Tomatoes website because that had a 91% approval rating. It's interesting because sometimes I wonder who is doing these reviews and whoever they are <laughs> clearly don't think anything like me because, I, I mean, I didn't think it was terrible, but I didn't think it was amazing. Yeah. Can I add one little piece of trivia that you might find interesting, Dee Dee? Please. The... The actor who plays the father of the drunk driver yeah. um, is actually a guy named Henry Thomas, who was the little boy in E.T. That's him all grown no. up. That is the little boy from E.T., Elliot, and he now is, uh, he's been in all of uh, Mike Flanagan's series on Netflix. I just thought that was crazy when I found that out. Yeah, that makes me feel like 10 million years old. Uh, <laughs> let's talk to Joe. Hi, Joe. Yes, I'm here. Yeah, what did you think? I quite liked it. I thought it turned out to be funny, I thought. My 20-year-old daughter told me to watch it. So we were watching Mm. episode for episode. She thought it was a story about everyone's going to turn into angels. (laughs) And I'm saying they're obviously vampires. She goes, no, they're not, Dad. They're angels. And he just bites people on the neck. Oh, there you are. I think there's there's something wrong with my 20-year-old daughter or (laughs) we're coming at it from different ways. And I don't even want to know what the cats were doing. Thank you, Joe. The cats, don't even try and explain. It's just too confusing. That's as far as I got where the cats are all on the beach. I won't say exactly what happened to them, just in case someone does still want to watch Midnight Mass, which Michael and I have just ripped apart. Okay, another (laughs) show to talk about. Michael, prepare your review of Monsters Mm. Inside the 24 Faces of Billy Milligan. That's next. If you've seen it, we'd love to hear from you. One double three six nine three. Me showdown. So uh, we will still take your calls if you do want to make any comments on midnight mass. But Michael, 
Yes. yes. Monsters Inside, the 24 faces of Billy Milligan. What did this you is think? such a curveball on what Midnight Mass is because this is like a docu-series on Netflix. It's four parts. I'm only up to episode three, just FYI, but it is about this guy in the 70s, Billy Milligan, who is convicted of a series of horrific crimes and then essentially this investigation unfolds as to whether or not he has what is known as dissociative identity disorder. Apparently inside his brain are 24 different personalities and these crimes were actually committed not by Billy but one of his other personalities and how does the legal system deal with that what did you think Didi? I loved it I have been glued to every second of it and it's rare for me to watch something through if I'm not enjoying it so I think it's maybe Mm. four parts or is it six it's several parts anyway Um, four episodes yeah I find it fascinating because I think they're quite fair the way and by the way we'd love to hear from anyone who's seen the Billy Milligan monsters inside on Netflix, one double three six nine three. I think they've in a quite a fair and balanced way presented the entire case because there are some people who are a bit sceptical as to whether he really did have 24 different personalities or whether he was, for want of a better expression, bunging it on in order to avoid mm. facing justice. Um, did did it's you... fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Well, look, I, I, as a young girl, I was obsessed with Sybil, the story of Sybil, which is a really tragic story, but it's, it's very similar and Sally Field played Sybil in, in the movie and she also had I think something like 40 different personalities so I find that whole idea fascinating Um, and I believe him I mean do you believe that he genuinely did have different personalities? I absolutely do funnily enough I live with a psychologist and after I watched this I said hey is is this a thing like is it real and and she showed me the the DSM-4 which is like the manual of all uh, mental disorders that are accepted and and thought of as, as, um, you know, real. And this is in there and it's really interesting to read about. It's it's extremely fascinating, but totally understandable, particularly in the 70s, that people were doubtful and people did think, this guy's just making it up. He's literally putting on different characters to try and get away with these crimes. And I thought it was fascinating. Like you, I was hooked to this the entire time and I can't wait to finish it and find out uh, what happens in the end. And one of the strengths of this documentary series is that they've got so much archival footage and some of it's not the best quality because, mm. like you said, it was shot in the 70s. But you can actually see him shift from apparently one personality to another and they're just subtle changes, but you can definitely see it. It's as though you're suddenly looking at a different person. But there also exists all these... Um, Uh, interviews with him that were done over the years by psychologists. And the other thing I loved, Michael, was they they use a number of different experts, but the way they present them, each of them is sitting in, for instance, an abandoned church or Mm -hmm. um, a library or something. Just the way those shots are set up with that expert sitting on a lone chair in the middle of those rooms, it's just actually visually I I found it really nice to watch. We'll be back in just a second. I agree with you. I agree with you, Didi. Like I didn't really notice uh I, I didn't really think much about that but those shots are really beautiful and they definitely add to the eeriness of this story we'll give it a big thumbs up michael and i michael thank you look forward to discussing a show next week with you on showdown michael liberale there and uh we'll do another show next week michael liberale joins me how are you michael 
Hello, Dee. I'm actually really excited to hear your thoughts on parental guidance this week. Like, I have so many questions for you. Okay. I have thoughts. I think it's really good. My first uh, concern was that um, we shouldn't be making parents judge other parents. It happens anyway. Enough of it happens. There's enough pressure on you when you're a parent. You don't need this. But I have found this show very enlightening. And I spoke to Fiona Byrne, our entertainment reporter, earlier in the day. She really did not like the um, the challenge they went through last night where a, a person tried to lure the children away from the park using puppies as a lure. Um, it was uncomfortable to watch. But I think if that triggers a conversation with a child or with another parent or if that just makes one child safer in the future, then that's a good thing. So I have to say, I have been enjoying it. What have you made of it? Oh, I think this show is so fascinating in so many ways. Like, I, I just think it's what you said about pitting parents against each other. It is kind of uncomfortable to watch. And if you haven't seen the show, it basically uh, gives us a bunch of different parents that have different parenting styles, such as like the nature parenting who live in a tent with their kids and the strict Christian parents and, and et cetera. And I just think some of the conversations that are being raised on this show are really fascinating, particularly the one around whether or not it is okay to smack your children. What did you make of this? Um, I don't like smacking at all and I can't, if anyone, anywhere, I don't like fighting. And the idea of a big person hitting a little person is just so mm. horrible to me. I wasn't smacked as a child. Were, were you ever smacked as a child, Michael? No, I wasn't really smacked as a child at all. But what I found really interesting was the two strict parents who were the ones coming out saying that, yes, sometimes we smack our children, right? After that, everyone was really aggressively against it and visually, uh, visibly taken aback rather by it. But then Ali Langdon, who hosts the show, said can everyone put their hands up if they have smacked their children? Yes. And almost all of them, including the ones that were like, that's abuse, you can't do that, almost all of them put their hands up, which I found kind of ironic. Yeah, but wasn't it interesting when the kids were allowed to be the adults, they were in charge of the grown-ups, and they were the kids mm -hmm. from the strict parents uh, who admitted that they do smack their kids on the bottom when they're naughty, They their first thing was to grab a wooden spoon and say, right, let's get a bit of discipline. So it obviously perpetuates if the adults, you know, the way you are handled by your parents – is going to be something that's in you that you think that's an okay way to behave. Look, it is really uncomfortable. I'd love to hear from people, One double three six nine three. And if you've watched it, do you know what kind of parent you are? Can you identify your own parenting style? Because as Michael's just pointed out, there's a few different ones. There's the, the free-range kiddies. I'm going to be really honest and admit, uh, 133693, the free-range parents, I was prepared to just look down on them. But as it turns out, well, I don't know. I just find that a bit weird. Are these the nature parents, Dee Dee? The, yeah, the oh, ones who live in a tent. And there was also some discussion as to whether uh, they can read or write because they don't go to school, which was a point of contention for a lot of the other parents. Can I ask you, Dee Dee? Do you have a parenting style? Because you're a, a mother of two. What yes. was your parenting style when you were raising your kids? Well, I don't think I fit any of those ex exactly, but I would call my style 
responsive. And by that okay. I mean if ever when my children were babies and they cried, I and it's not quite helicopter parent, but it's I would respond to it really quickly. My theory being and this is not from any book, I invented this. My theory being <laughs> that if that if they started to scream or cry and I went, Are you okay? What's that? What and attended to whatever it was, that they would see that they didn't need to cry. They didn't need to carry on because I would sort it out or I would give them attention. And as it works, I think that they, neither of them were very tantrumy children. But the thing is, I don't know that they weren't going to be like that anyway. Yeah, right. Okay. Mm. Can we also do a shout out to the same sex couple, Brett and Tony, who had who have two sets of twins that were born all on the same day from two separate surrogate mothers. I thought... That must have been quite a feat to be expecting one child and end up with four. Yeah. I thought they were really great, um, really uh, casual and fun with their children, and I really enjoyed them. They were very, very funny on the show. I think at the moment they're my favourite as, as just their approach to everything. Same. And I lo- also love routine. So I'm going to call myself responsive and routine because kids, especially babies, can't tell the time. So for me, the more structure you give them in their day, they know what to expect and they can be prepared for the next thing coming up. I would love to hear from you. One double three six nine three parental guidance. Kim, what did you think? Oh, hi, DT. Look, I'm loving it. And I love the same sex couple as well. And I relate to them. But when it came to the smacking, I'm very against smacking but I have smacked my children and I think that's why so many of the parents put their hand up and said yes I've done it because when you do it you realize oh this is not right I'm actually trying to teach my child because I'm bigger and stronger than you I will hurt you to do as I say and that's so wrong and I did it maybe twice with my eldest and then thought I'm never doing this again I felt horrible so I think a lot of parents might try it, but then realise it's very wrong and don't do it on an ongoing basis like those strict parents do. Yeah, I agree with you, Kim. Kim, I'm going to give you a Campbell Electric's $200 voucher thanks to... Hi, hands from Campbell Electric's. For appliances and air conditioning brands including Smeg, Bosch and Dakin, try Campbell Electric's for the best price. Back with Michael in just a moment. Your thoughts on parental guidance and also in a moment we're going to discuss Curb Your Enthusiasm. New season just started on Foxtel. Love to hear your thoughts on that too. One double three six nine three. Michael, Tracy joins us. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Debbie. How are you, Michael? Um, good, thanks. Hi. Um, yeah, I... I... I grew up in a family where smacking was uh, the done thing. My mum smacked us. She actually used wooden spoons and we didn't grow up disadvantaged, I felt. Um, I just felt like it was when mum got really angry, we got a smack. But I grew up, um, I brought my son up as a single parent and he'd bite me sometimes or, or smack me or hit me and I'd often give him a tap on the hand or a tap on the bum to just snap him out of that behaviour, that that's not acceptable to bite mummy. I never did it in an intention to discipline him to a point where I was I felt like I was abusing him. It was more to snap that behaviour out. So I don't think people have the intention of abuse, but I can see where that is driven, where that drives from. Yeah, Tracy, I just think having discussions about it is healthy and, and it's like I said to you before, Michael, I think I was uncomfortable just going, why are we pitting? Because a, that's a, like a, a competition. There's going to be a couple mm. judged to be the best couple in the end and I feel a little bit uncomfortable about that. But if we're having discussions like we are with Tracy at the moment, I, I don't myself subscribe to the idea of hitting a child, but um, I think... It, it is really interesting though because one of the parents did say that there is no other situation in which a grown adult can hit anyone, including an animal, 
um, and not be punished for that, right? And mm. so it's interesting that it's sort of okay for a parent to smack a child, but you you couldn't do that in any other aspect of society. And I think that's one of the main points that raises alarms for me about doing that. Michael, I got a question for you. Has the show put you yes. off having children, or did you watch it and go, "Hey, I can do that"? I uh, I, I haven't thought much about having children yet. I'm uh, 27. I realise a lot of people maybe are thinking about that at that age, but. Um, it hasn't really influenced my thinking at all. It does look very hard, though. Congratulations for doing it twice. Yes, parents love hearing stuff like that, Michael. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we, we've run out of time this week for Curb. Sorry, a lot of breaking news today. We'll have a look at Curb Your Enthusiasm next week. 24 minutes to three. I had never in my life seen Curb Your Enthusiasm. I've now watched two episodes. Michael Liberale, good afternoon. Good afternoon, DD. I'm so curious to hear uh, what you have to say about this um, Seinfeldian show, because if you don't know, I'm sure you do, but Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm is in fact uh, one of the co-creators of Seinfeld and the inspiration for the George Costanza character. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but that doesn't that makes sense on what I've seen. <laughs> so for those who haven't seen the show ever, like me, like I just came in blind and watched my first two episodes, how do you describe the premise of the show? Well, it's sort of like it it's a sitcom that focuses on Larry David, uh, who is playing similar to how Jerry Seinfeld played a semi-fictionalized version of himself. Um, and essentially Larry is a very neurotic old man um, who gets really hung up on like small breaches in social etiquette, which is where a lot of the comedy of this show comes from. Mm -hmm. Okay. Shall I go first on this one? Yeah. I want to hear your thoughts. Did you love it or did you hate it? I loved it so much. I can't even tell you. Last, So I watched the first episode with my husband and I don't know what he was doing, doing a quote or something last night. So I watched the second episode on on my own and Mm. laughed to the point where I was actually nearly going to be sick. I was bent over laughing so much over a scene that now when I describe it, people are going to go, why was she laughing at that? He'd gone to lunch with, I don't know who the lady is. I don't know who anyone is in the show, but he was obviously paying for her lunch. She had not eaten all of her steak and she asked for a doggy bag to take the pieces of steak home for her dog. And he wanted the bits. He was like, well, can't, if you're not going to eat them, can I have them? She was saying, no, I'm going to take them home for my dog. And the exchange over that of his anger over wanting the bits of steak and her taking them home for the dog. And in the end, the dog, I'm giving everything away, but whatever. Um, in the end, the dog got sick when it had the, the meat that she brought home anyway. It's mm. divine. And uh, it is like Seinfeld. Absolutely. And this is season 11 of Curb, which started in 2000, the year 2000. It's had a few kind of hiatuses um, since uh, it's begun. But one thing I loved in the debut episode of season 11 as well is um, Albert Brooks, who uh, you may know from films like Taxi Driver. I know him as the voice of um, Marlon from Finding Nemo. Uh, He wants to have a funeral while he's still alive so he watches his own funeral and hears all his friends say really nice things about him and of course Larry David isn't having any of it and makes a mockery of the entire thing and 
it's just hilarious because I think one of the taglines of this show is deep down, you know, you're him. And Larry's not afraid to say all of these little social etiquette things that none of us want to say out loud. Yes. And I'm uh, so impressed by how many little references to everyday things they pack into each. I mean, I've only seen two episodes, but how much stuff they pack into them. Little references that just give you this lovely goosey feeling of, oh my goodness, I agree with that. You know, that feeling like you would get from watching a Seinfeld episode. All right, let's take some calls. One double three six nine three. It's with great shame that I admit I've only you just started uh, watching it. I want to go back to the very beginning and watch all of the seasons that have been. What do you think of Curb Your Enthusiasm? John, good afternoon. Oh, hello. I have changed my life because of this guy. I've watched every episode, every season over COVID, and I have started acting like him on a daily basis, being yes. totally inappropriate, saying what you think first without actually thinking. Um, uh, there's an episode where he asks a couple who have got a black, well, who are black and white, yep. whether or not they care what colour the baby will be. Oh no, it's like the royal family. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we should just... say that Larry does often get in trouble, like all of his faux pas end up getting him into big trouble by yes. the end of the episode. <laughs> That's the problem with it. <laughs> And his solutions to things. He couldn't get the toilet seat to stay up, so he ended up standing up on the rim of the toilet bowl. And I, and, and somehow I was thinking, this is gross. I don't want to see this, and yet I couldn't take my eyes off it. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk to Ian. Ian, what did you think? Yeah, yeah I'm like the last caller. I've been a fan since day one, watched the lot and, and absolutely love it. And I, I'm, I think he's always right, personally, but the way he goes about it. <laughs> It's completely wrong. But there's a couple of interesting things about the show. It's not scripted is one thing. Oh, there's no really? script. I did know that. Yeah. It's a largely improvised show, isn't it, isn't it, Ian? They they have a yeah, skeleton a, of yeah, what's he, going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he gives them a framework. So they're all seasoned pros. I mean, Ted Danson, the whole Seinfeld cast really did their finale on Curb when they when he tried to get them back together. And, of course, he... He completely balls it up and never happened. He ruined yeah, it. Yeah, that's uh, right. I believe in in yeah. this. It's the sixth season where Larry tries to write the the Seinfeld reunion special and gets all the cast together, but drives Jason Alexander, who plays George, out of it with his neuroticism, and then <laughs> says, "Well, George was based on me, so I'll just play George." Much to the dismay of Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Amazing. Hey, Michael, Michael, thank you, Ian, for your input. Michael, have you ever seen a documentary on Netflix called Long Shot? I've not. What's it about? Okay, well, that, uh, that's the only time that I've watched a little bit of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So it's actually a little crime documentary where, from memory, a guy was accused of a crime and... His defence was, I couldn't have been, I couldn't have done it because I was at the baseball, and so they went and got an episode or the footage that was shot for an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, where Larry David had gone to the baseball, and they had a shot of him walking up an aisle, and they were able to sort of look around in this footage and spot the guy sitting in the crowd at the baseball, and that 
cleared him of this crime. It's, it's, I have heard this story and I believe amazing. Larry David actually said that this might be one of the only good things that has ever come out of anything <laughs> he's ever done. <laughs> he is divine. I love him. I, I Seriously, I can't wait to go back and watch more. Nathan, what did you think of it? Oh, well, Didi, I'm a, I'm a Seinfeld fan from way back, so I was straight into Kirby Enthusiasm when, um, when Larry David first started it. But, I mean, I, I sort of feel like it's the show that... Um, Seinfeld should have been, but probably was before its time. It just wasn't. I, mean, I don't think we were ready for Curb Your Enthusiasm when Seinfeld was around in the nineties. And so I, I just love it. It's great. Brilliant. Oh, it's all getting big thumbs up everywhere, Michael. Uh, we'll come back in just a moment. I also want to ask you, Michael, about Squid Game, since they've confirmed they're going to make a second season of it. I don't even know if you watched the first one, but uh, should they continue on with it? I don't think they should. Michael Liberale is with me. Showdown, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Have you seen it? Are you a fan? Do you hate it? One double three six nine three. It's quarter to three. Michael Liberale is with me. It is Showdown. We are comparing our thoughts on Curb Your Enthusiasm. We'll take your calls on that in a second. One double three six nine three. Michael, I just wondered from you, I don't know whether you watched the the season of Squid, Squid Game and it had a great conclusion, I thought, but now they've announced that they're going to make a second season. I don't think they should. I think they should leave it. Do you want a second season? I'm generally very cynical about this kind of thing, particularly with Netflix. They seem to always want to milk every series they do as much as possible. Um, for example, Stranger Things season one, incredible. The last two, not as good, right? But... Squid Game ended with such a good conclusion, but I still want to find out more, so this might be the exception for me. Mm, I don't know. I think that that's where <laughs> we fill it in by having conversations about it. And what do you think? Did those photos he sent from his phone ever send? Or who were the people that were the guards in it? You know, have that discussion with your friends over dinner uh, rather than making another season of, oh, I don't know if I can live through all that death again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it a is, it's a tough watch, isn't it? it? You, you, you need to have a- a glass of water and a sit down after yep. every episode. Yeah. Rob joins us. Hi, Rob. Hi, Danny and Michael. Um, yeah, I'm a huge Curb uh, fan. I was sitting on a plane going to Germany about 13 years ago and saw my first episode. I think it was called The Black Swan. And I laughed so hard. Everyone on the plane was looking at me thinking there was something wrong with me. So it was just, it was hilarious. And I've been hooked ever since. That's like me last night, sitting there laughing in an empty room yep. on my own. Uh, thank you, Rob. I've had a message from Alan on Twitter. He says, Curb, wait till you get to the aunt's funeral and the typo episode. Are they famous? Are they, Michael? Uh, I believe they are both uh, really fan popular episodes. Right, so okay. I, I definitely think you should go back to season one and just watch this through. You will you will absolutely love it. Out of interest, Dee, are you were you a Seinfeld fan? Yes, massively so. I've got a copy of uh, Who Weekly that they put out. It was a special. I think it was when Seinfeld ended and they put out a special edition the entire magazine is every single episode of Seinfeld and all those things to watch for like for instance the first time that Elaine pushes Jerry and says get mm. out and yes. cameos and stuff speaking of cameos like I google because that's what I do and um, the number of actors who have made guest appearances on Curb is insane. Like, and people... There are so many amazing celebrity guests. And I think it just shows how uh, connected, but also just how well-liked Larry David is, that all of these people are willing to come on his show. Yeah. And most of them end up looking 
kind of like jerks, like him as well, right? But they're oh, all kind of wow. willing to do it anyway. So uh, this is why I have to go back. And it's so diverse. I mean, there's actors, Ben Stiller, but then Shaquille O'Neal, Michael J. Fox, Ricky Gervais, Alanis Morissette, Hugh Hefner, Dustin Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. Yeah, you're right. It shows, obviously, the regard that he's held in. Brad joins us, Michael. Hi, Brad. Hi, Dede. How are you going? Good, yes, thanks. look, I'm a big um, Curb fan, and I think one of the... the Good uh, best seasons is when he's in the producers, um, but I think one of the most relevant um, episodes currently is every time the weather people get the weather wrong, it's incurred because they're out playing golf when they say it's raining, but it's not. But the weather in the last couple of weeks is very relevant. Every time it's meant to rain, it's sunny. So we just assume at our house that the weather people are out playing golf. To- <laughs> I can't tell you, Michael, the shame I feel that everyone's been onto it and I've been missing it. But I have the joy of catching up on it. Back with you in just a moment, Michael Liberale, Showdown Curb. What do you think? One double three six nine three. Michael, my sincere thanks to you for giving me one of the greatest shows I think I've ever seen. I think I'm hooked now. I'm so glad you like it. I, I Text me updates on the episodes you watch and how you find them. I will. I'll go right back to the very beginning. Thank you. We'll talk again next week in Showdown. Michael Liberale there. That's it, guys. Thank you very much if you made it this far. I've been having a lot of fun doing this, and uh, I really appreciate you checking out if you can't catch it live. Um, it's really cool for me to be like on air and interacting with, uh, with callers and... Yeah, like I said, it's a huge honour. So, again, uh, thank you for listening. If you want to support me, patreon.com slash radiomike is the best place to do that. Uh, as little as a dollar a month. Just helps me keep the lights on here and helps me to be able to do uh, the stuff that I do. Again, thank you so much for listening. See you for the main podcast episode next week and possibly a Mike Talks as well. I'll see you guys soon. <laughs> This podcast was a Radio Mike original production. Head to radiomike.com.au to check out all our other content. Stay up to date at radio.mike on Instagram and get in touch. Radiomikepod at gmail.com. Listener.